Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Risk! Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from the past. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. Now, recently we have lost some Risk storytellers who were very dear to us. Jim Paydar, whose breathtaking story, Dressing the Wound, is in the Risk book. Christina Carberry, whose heartbreaking story, We Need to Talk, is in the Tangled episode from May of 2017. And today, we are so saddened to say that Risk storyteller Jen Gavlin passed away last week. But we are so grateful that Jen shared her unforgettable story with us on Pulling Through, the November 19, 2018 episode of the podcast. Now, that's a very recent story to be revisiting so soon here on Classic Risk Singles, but Jen's story was all about how she knew she didn't have much longer to live when she was telling it. So we thought it would be a nice memorial tribute to run Jen's story one more time this week. If any story is worth hearing again, it's this one. So let's get to it. Here is the lovely and brave Jen Gavlin, recorded the last time Risk was in Seattle, with a story we call Living for Today. Osprey twirls her finger over her head and points to the right side of the river and calls out, Eddie out! It's our third day of whitewater kayaking. And I am loving it. 
The water is so clean and the air is so fresh that it feels like it cleans the city out of my lungs. And the valley walls in this canyon are this riot of chartreuse green and goldenrod yellow. And maybe all of this is distracting for me because as I use my paddle to direct the kayak towards that right eddy, I'm paddling on the left and I'm shifting my weight to the left as well, which is the wrong edge. And so I'm also feeling my kayak slowly tip and the thought that is running through my head is, oh God, I'm going to be underwater and upside down soon and there's nothing I can do about this. Uh, my husband, Pat, our two cats and myself moved from Chicago to Seattle seven years ago so that I could start grad school down in Portland and he could work in tech. I'm sure None of you guys have similar stories at all to that. So it's six weeks into grad school when I get a phone call from the orthopedic doctor who has recently run an MRI for me on some knee pain that I've been having on my, my left knee. Something about his tone in the voicemail tells me that I'm gonna skip my art history class and give him a call back. So I'm sitting in the cafe at the art school, looking out um, on this beautiful Pacific Northwest greenery when he answers the phone and he says, this is gonna be kind of hard to hear, but there's something on the scan and it's probably a cancerous tumor. It might not be, but that's what it looks like. And he goes on to talk about talking to the oncology department and something else and some other stuff. And all I can really do is zero in on this green leaf that's directly in front of my face, right outside the window, because everything is so surreal in this moment. This can't be happening. I have to still be asleep right now. I'm 28 years old, and I just got into a grad school program, and my life is just basically starting in this new place, and I'm just kind of figuring it out. And cancer isn't something that we planned for. How do you plan for that? It's going to be another three weeks, though, before they can actually tell me definitively that, yes, I have leiomyosarcoma. Try saying that three times fast. After a rigorous set of scans, um, the docs come back to me and they're all really excited because they've determined that there's only one location, which means it hasn't spread, which with my particular brand of cancer means that I've got a fighting chance. Excellent. No metastasis. So we start treatment. And... There's fertility preservation, and we do a couple rounds of bludgeoning chemo, a full knee replacement in order to resect the tumor out of my left knee, another round of that bludgeoning chemo, another little surgery because of some infection, six weeks of physical therapy, and I am as good as new. Well, 
there's some physical scars and emotional scars, and I have no interest in sex. Sorry, second anniversary, honey. And there's the survivor's guilt and the physical limitations and maybe not 100% just yet. But this kayak trip. This kayak trip is run by a nonprofit that brings together young adult cancer folk and sends them out on these adventure trips. When we arrive, we're required, all of us, whether we're participants, staff, or the kayak guides, to pick a name. And I choose the name Kite. When I'm asked by the other folks around me, why kite? I go, well, I'm on a bunch of meds and I'm high like a kite. (laughs) But if I'm being honest, there's something about the brevity of kite and the sound, the hard k of the K and the bright of the T. The word to me harkens back to sunny carefree days. And I could use some sunny carefree days. Being upside down and underwater isn't quite what I had in mind. And this day started out really, really well. I was super excited to be starting on the water. We were entering our third day. We were going to head further down the river. And I'm sitting on the shore, strapped into my kayak. And I look over to my left at one of the other participants, BBJ. And she has this nervous grin just plastered on her face. Just, I'm here. And she's barely keeping the anxiety under wrap because I can just tell that all she really wants to do is bolt back to the vans and peel out and get away, far as away from this river as she humanly possibly can. We haven't all taken to the river the way I have. So when one of the guides comes up behind me and launches my kayak off of the edge down into the water and I feel my stomach fall up into my throat, I am excited to start paddling towards my guide, Osprey, and feeling the warmth of the sun all around me. Two years ago, in the routine of scans, the tumors reappeared in my lungs and in my right knee. My tumors have a thing for knees for some reason. And we attacked them for a year with radiation. Now, one of my docs likes to call this spot welding because really all you're doing with radiation in my particular circumstance is taking care of those little individual things one by one, and you're not really treating the overall body. So a year after that, when they found more spots in my abdomen, it was time for chemo. I hate chemo. My first round of chemo was five days of inpatient, where by the third day, the smells of the hospital, where I have to pee into a hat in the bathroom so that they can check my urine for blood, and the sounds of the beeping machines just constantly there all of the time, and they're waking you up every freaking two minutes 
Okay, two hours, whatever. Feels like two minutes to check to make sure you're still fucking alive. I'm alive, guys. For now. And then after that, they finally send you home and I get to spend my time in the bathroom with the toilet in front of me, dry heaving and yelling to myself, there's nothing left in there. So I'm excited when my docs say, science has progressed. We have so many better chemo options now. It's not gonna be that bad. Oh, you're gonna lose your hair again, but that's okay. What does that really matter? It matters. It all matters. The thing about chemo is the inevitability of it. It's kind of like you have the flu. It's a three-week cycle, and for that first week, I get to spend the whole time in bed on a diet of buttered noodles, soup, and bread. Oh, eggs, too. Those are good. The side effects are a full body ache. Because of the anti-nausea meds, you are able to keep the food down, but it feels like the enemy, generally speaking. And water feels viscous in your mouth and has kind of a bitter taste. So you add flavoring to it, and then that flavoring starts to just make you feel shitty because it reminds you of feeling shitty. Fatigue doesn't quite encompass the sheer level of exhaustion that occurs. And the final shit cherry on the shit Sunday is I was always either constipated or had diarrhea. There's nothing in between. How does that work? So it's kind of like a really bad case of the flu, but you know that you're going to have it every three weeks. And so it just gets to the point where the good days, you're just thinking about how much it's going to suck in a couple of them. The inevitability of flipping in a kayak is also assumed. And so you train for that before you're in a situation where you're not in control. Those who are really experienced kayakers, like one of our staffers, Quickie, she is a professional kayaker. And let me paint the picture. Quickie rides in a fuchsia, tiny, tiny kayak. And she will have a child's unicorn bike helmet with a bright pink sweatshirt over her PFD The hood pulled up because there is a bright blue mane going down the back of it. And then she's owning that river, looking all the while like a child's toy come to life. It's fucking brilliant. We're not doing anything like that. Our jobs, as the participants who don't know what we're doing, is to do our best to hold tight, stay upside down and underwater and wait for someone to come rescue and flip us. 
If we can't manage that, we pull the eject cable and swim to shore. I'm going to be one of the good ones, though. I'm going to stay in this kayak. I got this. I got... I don't have air, but I got this. I don't have air. Where's the person? Okay, no, no, no. I'm, rem- I'm remembering my training. I am upside down and underwater, but I'm tucking my body up to the kayak, and I'm reaching my hands towards the sky, and I'm tapping on the sides of my kayak. I am tapping... Where are you, Osprey? You are right there. Okay, I'm feeling the kayak move. It's going to be fine really soon. And my face breaks the surface of the water, and I inhale deep breath of air, thank God, and completely unfurl so that I am now at a 90-degree angle to the kayak so that she now has to muscle me from this uh, all the way up to upright. It's a little bit harder. But she manages it because she's a boss. And it turns out that the big, bad, scary thing with kayaking wasn't actually all that big, bad, or scary. I mean, this is the kind of big, bad, scary thing that sends your heart pumping and makes you feel completely and totally alive instead of the kind of anxiety that I've been dealing with that just feels like slow death. A year ago... When I went back to chemo, Pat and I had a conversation where he told me, this is your decision, but I know how much you hate chemo, and I just want you to know that I want you to try everything. And I wanted to try everything, too. I was not giving up. I was not ready to take this lying down. But in December of 2017... Scans revealed that the tumors were growing again. So we would move on to another chemo. And this time, a drug trial version. And so this prompted a question that I'd kind of been avoiding with my oncologist of, if I stopped treatment, if I didn't do anything, how much time would I actually have? And they'd been really good about kind of dodging this because there's all of these, you know, well, with your rare kind of cancer and there's not really a lot of statistical and it just all depends on where things are growing. But in this instance, he looks at me straight in the face and he says, you know, you're young and healthy aside from the cancer and where the tumors are growing, I would say with confidence that you have at least six months with no medical intervention. And I hear this, and it seems very logical. It's very clinical. And I don't really have an emotional response in that moment because it's easier not to. I mean, six months, that's a concrete amount of time that I can work with. And by the fourth round on this new chemo trial, I can't really imagine continuing on this chemo trial indefinitely. Because that's the thing, is that we're trying to keep the tumors under control. And so when people ask me, well, how long will you be doing this chemo? Well, for as long as it's keeping me alive. Sounds like fun. And I'm having a really bad day. So much so that I call Pat at work and make him come home to me 
and we're in bed. He's given me some much-needed physical affection. And he says, it's really hard to see you suffer like this. I, I just want a Seattle summer where I'm not in a doctor's office. I just want to be able to do things again. I, I think I might be done. And he says, if that's what you want, I can be okay with that. And so it's kind of a relief that next week when we go in for scans and it turns out that this chemo drug trial is not working because they kick me off. I don't even have to make the decision. And my oncologist hands me a packet full of new other amazing options that I could pursue and spend my time being poked with needles in doctor's offices. But the thing that sticks with me kind of like a like that kernel of popcorn that gets wedged between your teeth that you can't get out is that I've spent the last three months miserable for nothing. Does that count towards my six months? Now, let me be clear. I do not have a death wish. I have struggled with depression, but I have so many reasons to live. I live in the most beautiful place in the country, right? I have a husband who loves me fiercely. I have found a community of friends who are amazing and who make me want to be a better person. And I get to make pottery in my basement a studio. It's amazing. Therefore, no, no trial. I want to enjoy all of these things. And so we do some radiation to the places that are the scariest, a spot in my pancreas, a spot on my thyroid, and a spot on my hip. And then no more treatment. Does that scare you? I will not waste my time in doctor's offices pursuing things that may or may not actually do me any good. I will not make myself more miserable. And I will not make my body feel like it is at war with itself, trying to be better. And so, a month before this kayak trip, I start hospice. Now, hospice sounds like a big bummer to most people, but I love my hospice nurse. He is amazing. He lives three blocks from my house, has tattoos up his arms, and um, gives me all of the drugs that I need. And it's these drugs that give me the energy and the pain management to be able to be on this kayak trip, where on our final 
our last day, we get to do a class three rapid. And so all of our as participants are strapped into our little kayak, sitting in the calm of the eddy and, and waiting while Quickie gives us our final instructions. All right, guys. Now we're coming up to this rapid. And it's more serious than the ones that you've done before. I want you to stay to the left. Stay to the left because on the right, there's a drop off. And we're not sure that you can handle it. Now, after the rapids, we're going to eddy out on the right. And once we're calm and everyone will be there and they'll be real excited for you. But stay to the left. If something happens and you end up on the right, do not panic. We will be there. We will help you. You will not drown. Excellent note to end on. Thanks, Cookie. So when it's my turn, I peel out of the uh, eddy. And I'm using my paddle to gain momentum as I head into the rapid. The agitated water is bouncing my kayak around more than I've experienced previously. And it sends my kayak to the left and I feel it start to turn sideways. And I'd really rather not be sideways going down a rapid. And so I bring the paddle around to swing back to the right and suddenly I find myself on the right side of the river. Oh my God, I am on the right side of the river. I'm not supposed to be on the right side of the river, but there's not a lot I can do about it now because if I try to write myself back to the left side of the river, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to flip. So you know what? We're just going. We're going over that drop and it's going to be amazing. It's better be amazing. And it's fucking amazing. Oh my God. I hit the drop and the water sprays up around me and I land it and I come out on the other side and all of the other participants and staff are there and they're just going, ah! what did you just do? And there are a lot of times that it's easy for us to get caught up in what ifs. And especially for me. But I've learned that if I think about what might have happened if I have chosen one of those amazing drug trials, that I wouldn't be here on this river feeling more alive than I have in years I wouldn't get to share this with this group of people who understand better than most the fragility of life. The what-ifs give us frustration. The what-ifs give us disappointment. And we don't get to see the amazing things that are right in front of our faces. The way I see it, death is inevitable. I'm determined to really live for whatever time I've got left. Thanks, guys. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, if you'd like to make a donation to the organization that took Jen out on that kayaking trip, They are at firstdescents.org, 
they uh, give the healing power of adventure to all sorts of people in similar situations. And don't miss our regular full-length Risk episodes. They go up every Tuesday, and you can find everything else you want to know about us at risk-show.com. Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My goodness! Here's the high-stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. He ties the game at the buzzer. And to crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. The 2024 NBA Finals presented by YouTube TV continue on ABC.